So my friends, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn Siepert, and this is episode number 214. I hope you're sitting down. I hope you're ready today uh, because we have a long episode. It's about an hour long, and it's an hour long because it's really interesting stuff. Uh, we're talking to Hal Tausig today uh, about his book, A New New Testament. This is the Bible. This is the New Testament, 27 books of the New Testament, and he and a group of people have added 10 other texts to the New Testament for a total of 37. So this this Bible, the New New Testament, has 37 books in it, whereas the traditional New Testament in your typical Protestant Bible has 27 books. So in this book, you've got like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you've got the Gospel of Thomas in here. You've got the Gospel of Mary in here. And you have all your normal 27 books, but these other 10 books are are spliced into the mix so that you can read them alongside of the traditional text that you are probably most uh, used to. And I love this. I love it. And we talk about it in the episode because you can read like the Gospel of Thomas after reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or you could read Gospel of Thomas first, whatever. And then when you come across verses in the traditional Gospels, you're like, oh, I just read that in the Gospel of Thomas. That's very interesting because there's a lot of similarities. But you might also read something in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that's very different than what you find in the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary. So you might say, oh, well, that's very different. And so you begin to see similarities and differences. Now, these texts that are in this included in here, these are ancient texts. It's not like these were written in the 1950s, right? Like these were written in the first and second centuries of Christianity. And so these texts were very important to early Christians, just as were Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, etc. Uh, these texts mattered to certain branches of the early Christians. And uh, Hal has done a masterful job of weaving them into our traditional 27 books of the New Testament. So I'm excited to share this with you. I had all sorts of questions for him because I've had this book on my shelf for a while. Uh, he came on the show a couple months ago with Aaron Verncombe and Brandon Scott to talk about uh, the book they all wrote together called, uh, it's called Before Jesus. No, no, no. After Jesus, Before Christianity. And so they came on to talk about the book and Hal mentioned this book uh, in, in that episode. And I said to him afterwards, I said, uh, you got to come back on the show and talk to me about that book. <laughs> because I've got all sorts of questions. And so he's going to talk to us about how how the Bible, how did they actually put together the, the original New Testament, right? What's the story behind the 27 books? How did they come to be? Uh, it's not what you typically think. Uh, so he talks to us about that. Then he talks to us about how this collection of the 37 books were put together, what he did, what kind of team he put together to, to put this thing together, Really interesting stuff. We talk about the Gnostic text. We talk about so many things, and so I'm really excited to share it with you. Uh, he's one of my favorite people. I've talked to a lot of people on the show, and uh, Hal is somebody who he's so he's so smart, he's so wise, but he's like he's so humble. He's so easy to talk to because sometimes you get people on the show, uh, and I haven't really had it that that much of experience on this show. But like sometimes you get people in front of you, like on camera, and they know so much, and you can just tell that they know a lot more than you do. 
Uh, but Hal didn't feel that way. Like Hal certainly does know a lot more than most of us know. Uh, but he was so easy to talk to and he broke things down in a very understandable way. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to share this with you. Go look him up on uh, Google. Look him up on Amazon. Buy his books. Get this book, A New New Testament. Uh, you will not be sorry. Uh, but we're going to talk all about it. I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes. Uh, also in the show notes is my book, Rethinking Everything. Uh, Patreon, buy me a coffee if you want to support the show. Uh, I keep saying it, but just as a reminder, uh, Patreon is changing in the fall. In September, we're just revamping the whole thing. Uh, there's multiple tiers. And instead of every tier getting a different reward, every tier will get the same reward, which is entrance into a community of people. Uh, people who are asking questions, who are thinking different, who are evolving and growing in their faith. We have a uh, Discord group that's in a, a pilot stage right now, but that'll go live in September for all Patreon supporters. Uh, so a Discord server, it's like a, a chat group. We just chat about stuff all day long. Uh, we're going to have Zoom hangouts. So like once a month, we'll all hop on Zoom, hang out, talk about life, get to know each other a little bit. Uh, then we'll also have a book club, maybe like once a quarter, we'll maybe read through a book together and possibly get the author on at the end of the, the book to kind of talk to us about the book and field some of our questions that we might have. Uh, I have an opportunity for Patreon supporters to come on the podcast. So if you want to come on and share a, a story or share uh, your, your, your faith journey or talk about something that you're burning, you're dying to talk about, I will bring you on the show for episode 200 and whatever uh, to talk to me about uh, that particular topic. So Lots of cool things, but it's all community-focused as opposed to content-focused because so many people said the content is great, but between your podcast and this podcast and that podcast and these books I'm reading, I don't have enough time to process the content I have, much less to have more content given to me. And so what we really want is community. And so that's what we're going to do with Patreon going forward is make it community driven. And the cool thing is, like I said, like every tier gets its own reward. Uh, but, and I'm gonna talk more about this, probably gonna do a maybe a bigger chunk of an episode just about this. But the cool thing about it is, if you, if you wanna stop giving one month because maybe finances are tight, you can do that. And you don't lose any of the benefits. So once you're like a Patreon supporter, you're always a Patreon supporter. It's, it's like church. Like if you go to church and you tithe, uh, for 10 weeks in a row, but then there comes a month where you can't tithe, we're not going to kick you out of the church. Some churches might. <laughs> That's a whole another story. But you shouldn't get kicked out of church for not being able to give, right? And so same idea with Patreon. Is once you're a Patreon supporter, you're always a supporter. You're always going to be a part of the community, and you will always be welcome uh, in, in those groups and in those places that we're putting together. So lots of cool things coming. But uh, there's not a whole lot of information up about it on Patreon now, so I just wanted to give you kind of the quick pitch of what's coming. So if you do go there and you do think that you want to support, uh, you know what's going to be dropping in September. So anyway, all the links are in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to shut up now, and let's talk to Hal. Hal Tausig, the man, the myth, the legend about the new New Testament. Enjoy. I can feel searching for a deal on my last meal. Crack the seal, so much I can take. Gotta take a kneel, constant battle. Got so many wounds, hope they start to heal. It's getting real, it's getting real, yeah. Seems like I'm a crab in a bucket. It'll take a while before I catch one buffer. Uh, feeling like I'm living robotic. Once I get the chance, I'm a living iconic. 
Always catch me on my high, ain't gon' never see me low. High above the cloudy skies, yeah, I'm focused on this growth. Nothing up to involve, ain't gon' never see me fall. Oh, my brother, get out soon, and this yeah. world is getting cold. Cutting head, taking college courses, all he see is gold. We'll call him up, tell a different stories. All right, hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Today we're sitting down with repeat guest, Hal Tausig, who was previously on the show this past spring. Uh, with Brandon Scott and Aaron Verncombe to talk about their book, uh, After Jesus and Before Christianity. Uh, today, though, I've asked Hal to come back on the show uh, to talk about one of my very favorite books, uh, favorite resources on my shelf. If you're on video watching this, I have it right here in front of me. It's called A New New Testament. So, Hal, uh, that said, welcome back to the show. I've really been looking forward to picking your brain about this. <laughs> Thanks so much, Gwen. It's great to be back. Thank you. So to start off our time, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your your journey. I know you shared a tiny bit last time we talked, but we also had Aaron and Brandon on the show. So everybody kind of had a rush through their introductions. So we had enough space mm -hmm. to talk about the, mm -hmm. the meat. But maybe just remind our listeners uh, who you are and, and what you do, that sort of stuff. Sure. I'm, I'm bivocational um, uh, and, and actually now retired. But my, my career was bivocational in that I was always a um, a pastor, and I was always a professor. Uh, my primary um, place where I was professor was Union Theological Seminary in New York, um, and I was um, always a, a United Methodist pastor as well. So that that's the. Um, but I I would say that also I was a. I, I did mainly biblical studies um, in terms of a, a scholar. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was professor of New Testament at Union and so, several other graduate programs. Um, I, I've written now 16 books. Um, about half of them are for the lay people or the public, and about half are for for um, scholars um, uh, that, you know, um, uh, don't know how to talk to each other. <laughs> so, 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 um, so, yeah, uh, th that's the uh, ha hands-on uh, work of me, of myself. I also would want to say that I, I um, was a, a fundamentalist Christian um, uh, in my um, youth. I never rejected um, fundamentalism, um, but I'm not a fundam fundamentalist anymore. Mm. I um, basically generally um, and slowly um, found uh, a larger space for me. But frankly, unlike a, a number of folks that um, uh, decide to leave fundamentalism, I did not find that um, as, a, as a process that was full of, uh, or even that had much anger mm. uh, in it. Um, um, it just felt like, and, and I still have lots of um, contacts with uh, uh, colleagues who are fun, a fundamentalist mm. a, a, as well. Uh, I also am very interested in um, the development of spirituality. So one of my major teaching uh, uh, was was a, a, as a um, 
for a uh, program, a, a master's program in um, in uh, Christian spirituality. Mm. That sets us up for, I think, another conversation, because now I have a whole sort of other set of questions that just came to my mind. <laughs> good, good. I think that's great, because I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who enter that that deconstruction world or whatever you want to call it, who, you know, grew up fundamentalist, they realize that maybe they were traumatized in different ways or different, different theologies affected them in different mm-hmm. ways. And you can get very angry about once you, mm-hmm. once you, once mm-hmm. you start to realize different things that were done to you, whether it was, um, you know, that it was intentionally or unintentionally, whatever, you can just start to throw out everything and you want to throw out religion and spirituality as a whole. But one of the things I really appreciate about your work and a lot of the people that we bring on this show are recognizing different ways that maybe that theology was harmful, but then saying, okay, what can we do to move forward in our spirituality, given our past and whatever the future might hold? I'm so grateful for, for that kind of perspective that, that you've taken to, to the public sphere. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, yes, I look forward to talking a lot about that. Excellent. So uh, your book, A New Testament, is uh, the traditional 27 books of the New Testament. And then we have 10 other early Christian texts that are kind of spliced into the mix for a total, a grand total of, of 37. So for our listeners, like alongside of the traditional Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, we also find books like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Truth, uh, Acts of Paul and Thecla, and, and obviously many more. Now, I have, like I said before, Hal, I have all sorts of questions, but I was wondering if before we get into this new new collection of texts, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the traditional collection of texts uh, in the New Testament and how that came to be? Because honestly, I've heard so many different stories. Uh, sometimes I don't know. I don't know what's true and what's not anymore, because some people say it was like strictly political and power driven. Others say it was you know, strictly spiritual, the way the Holy Spirit guided people. Some say it's a mix. Some people think the Bible has just always been the Bible. It's like it's a mess of thoughts. So maybe take us back in time a little bit and uh, talk to us about how the New Testament was put uh, put together. What fun. Um, so this has been a, a, actually a, a longer process for me too, Glenn, mm-hmm. in that as far as I can see, seminaries and universities have done a rather terrible job of actually giving the history of the Bible yeah. and, and how it came into existence. And so, for instance, even in my doctoral work, no one, I, I did my doctorate in, in New Testament, but no one ever told me, um, none of my professors really had any interest in laying out how the Bible, and in that case, the, the New Testament, mm-hmm. came into being. Mm-hmm. So when I actually, uh, and, and this is clear that my work with a new New Testament that we'll get to yep. came about because I belatedly really uh, got very interested in the 150 or so books that had been discovered in the last 200 years. Um, 
And it was a, there when I pr started preparing this book in which we would add 10 books to a new New Testament, um, I had to really make sure that I knew how the New Testament itself came into being. And, and there I was stunned to um, discover or, or to have learned, I think, and to have experienced. I basically, even as I went into being a graduate professor, I had the experience of thinking that the Bible fell from heaven and hit us on the head. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm very embarrassed. Yeah. I got through two graduate degrees without not knowing that. Yep. Not knowing that that, or recognizing that that's what I had, had as a back um, experience from all of this. Mm -hmm. So, let me then say what I, I think I learned in that process. And there are almost no good books that actually lay that out. Mm -hmm. So the reason that you are hearing different stories is because we need better books on that front. Yeah. And, and again, a, a New New Testament has a couple chapters on that. Mm -hmm. But basically, it, it seems to me that the first hundred years or so of the what I would call the Jesus movements or the Jesus um, um, peoples, writing was not a primary thing at all. Mm. By and large, the people um, that uh, were a part of those early Jesus movements um, couldn't read or write. Mm. Um, it seems relatively clear. Uh, to me, that Jesus himself probably did not read or write. Mm -hmm. In other words, even in the the, the Gospels, in the in the Bible, uh, we only have really two times where Jesus um, seems to either read or write. Mm -hmm. uh, for only in Luke does Jesus go to the the synagogue and pick up a text and read it. And Luke is always a little, get, makes Jesus a little fancier in <laughs> other regards too than, than Matthew, Mark, and John. Um, uh, and so, for instance, um, uh, the, the houses that um, Jesus associates with um, uh, have better, better um, building. <laughs> than than uh, what really existed. Mm -hmm. uh, so so anyway, um, in in this case, I want to say, and the other place that Jesus writes is on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, those are the only places that we find Jesus even maybe reading and writing. Mm -hmm. My 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 tendency then is that probably most of the people that he was with. Um, uh, and most of the people that then began following his, his ways, uh, they were all mostly illiterate. Mm. Um, that's not true, that, however, that, the, that some things weren't uh, written in the first century. Um, uh, and then in the second century, more. 
Um, but those writings by and large were not used um, as the primary way to, to be spiritual, to um, be close to God, to develop a community um, uh, in which people um, supported one another. That all was by and large um, a, uh, a talking and a, a singing and a um, being together uh, in in and basically in in meal settings uh, where they could talk a lot and they talked together about many stories. They probably developed many of the stories in that way. Um, so we really don't even have uh, until the um, until the late in the second century do we have even an idea that, oh, maybe one might have gospels to read. Uh, so for instance, it's late second century that we have for the first time um, someone saying, um, we know there are a bunch of gospels around, but if we had to choose, we, we would probably choose Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm. And the very fascinating thing about that is that the reason why the, these people at the end of the second century are beginning to say maybe we should have a collection of gospels is um, because um, there are four winds that blow and four corners to the earth. Meaning why they want four is not to hold the, the gospels ha do, having the same thing, but there being a big tent for four different gospels. And that of course is true. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have really different approaches mm -hmm. to, um, to the Jesus story. And um, so they actually chose that not to make sure that everybody was on the same page, but to make sure that people had different stories. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, um, I'm going to stop there. Obviously, I can really talk a lot about that. But um, when um, those texts started being put together, mm -hmm. um, seems to be hit and miss. Um, uh, here, frankly, no one is saying um, when it happened for at least several centuries. Mm. No one is choosing to say we need a New Testament for at least several centuries. Um, and the process is very hit and miss. So for instance, uh, con contrary to what I learned when I was in seminary, mm -hmm. um, contrary to that, um, there were not church councils until very late, until the 15th or 16th century mm -hmm. um, that chose that. Um, uh, chose at the New Testament. Implicitly, however, by the fifth or sixth century, people will have made a New Testament, hmm. but it's all implicit. And then it's by, by the sixth, fifth and sixth century, it starts being um, um, put together into, um, uh, they, weren't quite, they weren't quite books yet. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the like. How that got chosen 
um, that the story again that I learned in in seminary, not that I taught, but that I <laughs> that I took. Um, the story is that in the in the fourth century, um, they 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 had twenty seven books, but that's only one person. Uh, a a a um, basically a bishop who writes an Easter message, a, a Easter letter to his churches, and there he writes down twenty-seven books that he recommends them primarily to do. That's the first time that anybody proposed. He's the, probably the first one. Uh, that uses the term New Testament. Mm. He doesn't mean a book. He means that would be kind of the 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 um, different writings that we choose to read more, and that's was clearly only in North Africa. Mm. Was um, that Athanasius? Is that his name? Uh, Athanasius. Athanasius. Is, is the, yeah, okay. Athanasius is 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 the bishop, mm. um, but. Um, it's not that once Athanasius said that, we don't even know whether the, the churches said, oh, okay, or not. There's no mm. response to him. Mm. Um, uh, but we do then find um, the idea in the next couple of centuries coming into a little bit more um, focus. Mm. Um, but not really um, formally uh, until people, especially in, in um, Europe, start wanting some things to be written in Latin. Mm. And so there is when the first collections for churches start to happen in the, the late 4th and early 5th century. Mm. Um, uh, and we have, for instance, in the meantime, there's lots of arguments mm -hmm. about whether the revelation to John should be read by anybody. Mm. Um, uh, and on the other hand, um, you um, have lots of other writings that are um, claiming to have authority, mm. uh, but, uh, but by people who say, we don't need to have an exact um, uh, list yeah. or an exact book, but there are a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. So that's that's um, a, a quick overview. Yeah. T tell me what else I should try to say. Well, the thing that sticks out to me the most, and I think it's important to kind of just magnify for our listeners, is maybe an obvious point, but I think it's that the the not the church but followers of jesus existed for we're talking like 300 years before anybody really mentioned hey there should be a collection of texts and it's i think it should be these 27 which was only one guy mind you it wasn't like this was a whole like council of people who decided it was these 20 it was one guy like you said we have no response from anybody we don't really know what any, what the public response was to those 27 books it was just the one guy said. So for all those years, there was no authoritative collection. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important because I think we have this idea 
as I did coming out of seminary, like, like, like yourself was that, you know, it's, it's these 27, it's these 27 books, the new Testament, it's always been that way. And in order for you to be a real Christian who, you know, is following in the footsteps of the apostles, these are the 27 books you should read. Anybody who says anything different is not telling you the truth, mm-hmm. but that's not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, we should mention, of course, mm-hmm. uh, one of the main things that happens in the early fourth century uh, that I also was told inaccurately mm-hmm. in, when I was in, in seminary in graduate school. And that was um, that the, the bishops who were um, um, made to come to the, the Constantinople to, to, um, to uh, um, have conversations with and, and do things for the um, emperor mm-hmm. who has be, finally become a Christian. The first Christian is in the fourth century. Mm-hmm. He says a bunch of things like, hey, you guys are talking really different things. And he puts them under house arrest, the bishops, so they, they can decide what they really believe. Mm. And that um, is really interesting because that, of course, is the Nicene Creed, mm. more or less the Nicene Creed that happens in the early fourth century. Now, in, in seminary, I was taught that that's when the, Bible, when the, when the New Testament was yeah Um, it's simply not the case they never even brought it up now at the same time um the the um emperor says what about writings and there his secretary basically says i'll do some research on what what's good and 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 it's very interesting um, here. Um, uh, I'll quote this a little bit um, uh, too. That um, what what the emperor is told is that um, uh, some things people are reading, and he called them recognized. Uh, some things people are re- um, reading and a lot of people don't like it that those are called spurious or disputed mm. um, so it's sort of like a secretarial report mm. to the emperor as to what's in and what what well really what that is basically um what people are reading mm. and under what authority and that tends to be the bishops don't have any idea of what should be in common. Mm. Wow. And that is not at all <laughs> what I was told. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. In, in, in my book here, yeah. I, I list the, um, the, the 14 recognized books. Now, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that there's a, a central authority on that, mm-hmm. but but basically what Eusebius, the, the, um, the, the secretary of the emperor, Constantine, um, he goes and, and he says, well, it looks like people are mostly reading 14. And that does include the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for instance. Um, uh, uh, so anyway, the, um, that really takes them another 
um, probably, and then after that is when Athanasius gives his gives his letter um, to to the people. After those fourteen, yeah, okay. No, after after the Nicene. Um, oh, right. Uh, creed is written. So gotcha. Okay. Uh, so that so, happened first, and then Athanasius was after. And, and that's 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 thirty or forty years after, con, con, uh, on, in the, the Nicene Creed. Hmm. And then you don't have any. Then there's there's still quite a bit of disagreement about that. Yeah. So then, when was the actual like? When did they, whoever said this is the New Testament, this is the authoritative collection. This is it. We, did you say the 15th or 16th century? Was that, yes. did I hear you correctly? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. And that, that, is, that is done, uh, I, I should say an intervening um, thing about this, mm -hmm. um, because basically um, you start having, at least by the 8th century, you start having actual Bibles with more or less the same mm -hmm. 27 books. I would say about 10% of those Bibles that are put together between, say, the 7th century and the 12th century, about 10% of them have extra books. So there, because there has not been a church decision about it by any of the popes mm -hmm. or by any of their uh, synods that, that come. Mm. Finally, basically that happens in the um, 15th and 16th century because of Protestantism. Mm. It's not that Protestantism says, hey, let's have a book, mm -hmm. but they are Protestants at that point um, are saying the thing that's wrong with what becomes um, Catholicism, mm -hmm. um, uh, in other words, there, there are um, different kinds of Christianities emerging mm -hmm. um, as Protestantism comes into being. Protestantism says the Catholics aren't paying enough attention to the, to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is already, that's the word for it, um, uh, the writtenness. Of it, and and there they um, are in. Um, there are there's a similar. What they note then is that the Catholics are reading different things than the Protestants. Mm. So then then the the um, the Catholics say they're they they are taking heat from the Protestants about mm. not. Uh, um, reading and writing the same the same things, mm. um, and there they finally say, "We these are the things we know we have to read." Mm. And as you you probably know, and and I, I love is there is a different Bible for Protestants and Catholics. Yeah, um, and um, <laughs> and 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 for instance, when um, Martin Luther. Uh, was just was arguing about what gets into the Bible and what's not. Martin Luther comes up with a, a rules. They never had a council on that, but he came comes comes up that he, for instance, he said for the what we would now call the First Testament or the Old Testament. He said you can't 
you can ha can't have something that is in the Bible as the first or Old Testament unless um, you have the Hebrew um, version of it. Mm. And so he will only, he, he says the thing wrong with the Catholic Bible is that it only has the Greek versions. Mm. And so he decides not to take, um, depending on who you're looking at, five sure. to seven books in the Old Testament, and he throws them out. Hmm. By the way, um, um, Martin Luther also was trying to also throw out um, uh, the book of James and the book of uh, um, the Revelation to John. Hmm. He doesn't succeed at that. Hmm. Wow. I hope I'm not going on too long. No, this, I, this story, it's just, it's just amazing to me that like, like you said that you were given this concise story too. Like just, I was given this concise story of how it came to be. And it all happened around the time of the council of Nicaea. And it's never been questioned since then. And why are you questioning it kind of thing? And it's just not true. Like there's just so many different aspects of the story, which I think is so, so interesting. But to your point, I love that, like you said, that Protestants and Catholics have a different collection. And a lot of times I'll have fun with my, with my friends from my, my former life who will say, well, the Bible is the word of God. I'll say, well, which Bible? You know, we're talking about the right. Protestant, Catholic, let's talk about Eastern Orthodoxy because they throw a whole other bunch of things into yes. the mix as and, well. And, like, and different the Syriac groups. Church. The Syriac Church, yeah. So like, different groups have different Bibles. So if we're going to say the Bible is the word of God, which Bible are we going to mm -hmm. talk about? So, right. all right. So let's fast forward then. Your book came out in 2013, I think it was. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we go all the way now to 2013, all these years later, and then a new New Testament comes out and uh, you add to the traditional 27, like we said, 10 more texts. Uh, mm -hmm. So no agenda with this question. Just tell us about this, this work and just how it kind of came together and whatever aspects of it that you'd like our listeners to know. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so um, basically I, I have to first have a confession about the fact that in, in my education, all the way through my uh, doctoral programs, mm -hmm. I did not pay any attention to the fact that in the um, previous 150 years, there had been many, many new texts from ancient um, Jesus people that were uh, that were just um, discovered. Um, in fact, since my teachers didn't tell me that in in my PhD program, I followed them right along. And as the the public in in the in Europe and the United States started discovering these texts and we may want to go back to what how that happened sure. um, but but all of a sudden um the public was discovering these through the media mm. that there were new books that had been discovered by the jesus people um they had not been discovered by the jesus people of the jesus people mm. and um and and then um, when I was in, I had a, quite a public um, 
uh, following um, for uh, after 10 or 15 years. And when people would come up to me and say, um, uh, have you read that? Have you, have you, what do you think about uh, the, the Gospel of Mary? Mm. And I would say standardly, you don't have to worry about that. They're either heresy or bad. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and so I, for at least 10 years in public, would just tell people, just stick to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and by the way, I wasn't a, a, a so much a, a fundamentalist at that point, but I just, my, my teachers had said, ah, not worth it. Yeah. But the public started yelling back at me. Mm. and saying, look, I read those books, and they're really meaningful to me. Mm. So it took me 10 years to apologize and start reading those books that I hadn't read. Mm. And there, I too found that many of them, not all of them that had been discovered, I found deeply moving for me spiritually. Mm. And then I started teaching my graduate students about them. Yeah. I went back and and learned Coptic mm. because most of them were in Coptic. Um, so anyway, that's the the confession. Yeah. After um, um, me getting up to date and having a whole bunch of graduate students who wanted to study that new material. Mm -hmm. I am noticing that the public was really interested. I thought maybe the public needs to have a copy of some of the best of these texts. I just and and I got a big time publisher, Houghton Mifflin and Harcourt, um, to pay me a, a big advance to add ten texts to the New Testament. But I told them, and, I, and this was really key to me, um, I can't do this. First of all, I've been a latecomer to it. Secondly, I, um, the way authority um, is best uh, done in churches and the like is collectively. And so um, the... Um, Houghton Mifflin and Harcourt said, I said, I'd like to have um, 20 spiritual authorities in the United States to spend a year looking at the 150 discoveries and, and deciding the best of them. And by that, I mean, these people were, um, some of them were bishops, some of them were famous authors. Um, uh, some of them were just professors. Some of them were none of the above, but had a following. And I, um, I said, I'd like those folks to, to spend a year with me reading this stuff mm. and say what the public could use best. Mm. And, and so um, we spent a year together. I asked them to vote hmm. on which ones, which ones they would put as the top 10. Mm -hmm. 
there was a wonderful dis kind of discussion and and um, arguments about it. Not not angry arguments but everybody's just, still right? friends <laughs> yeah, yeah everybody's still friends. and then by the way it was from all denominations yeah plus several um rabbis mm -hmm. um a, a person of um, buddhist and a person of um of um uh, uh basically outside of um oh wow of, of them now i had a i had a, a an islamic person agree but his he had ill health mm. i also got a um a bishop from the uh um the roman catholic church mm. and he also uh, had to drop out because of his um health mm. um, but anyway then we they came together and uh, chose ten of them. Mm. Um, that that um, and by the way, that um, there's been quite a bit of people um, looking at this book now. And uh, actually, this as far as I can, the last thing I heard is that actually the the sales are increasing, mm. um, even after the basically the first ten years. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, uh, I've seen it in my local bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's in my yeah, local bookstore. Yep. And, uh, I found it because I was looking, I just did an internet search one day because I was just looking for, I wanted to read what someone much smarter than me thought were the best ones alongside of the traditional ones. So I was looking mm -hmm. for this exact thing. And I came across it and I thought I was reading it wrong. I'm like, wait a minute, I must, I'm, wait a minute. What is it? This really exists. And so it was, it was a really, a really good find for me. Um, but I think it's just so magnificent that you can, you can read them side by side, which I think is so important because you can flip from one page to the next. And there's maybe like John, for instance, the next page is Thomas or whatever is next. And I think it's just so cool to be able to flip back and forth and be able to highlight or whatever, however you want to do it. To see the similarities between the text, the differences, things like that. I think it's so, so cool. One thing I'm curious though, is there any, is there a book that was like, or a letter that was on the cusp of making it in that didn't make the cut? Is there, is there any yeah. that was like ranked really high, but just got cut out? Yeah. Um, and um, I'm not going to tell you the whole story okay. on this because um, uh, there were people in the council of of 19 mm -hmm. um uh that um whose um whose uh, uh positions and work was at stake if anybody knew what they said gotcha um and so i agreed that I would never tell that story. Sure. But I would, I can say that um, there is a, there, there is a book that's very famous. It's often called the Didache, mm. which I am sorry because often the, people will only give it in, in ancient language. <laughs> but the, the Didache means that the, um, teaching of the twelve apostles, mm -hmm. um, and the the Didache um, is one of the most hailed uh, new books, 
found mm. um, in actually the 19th century. Um, and the Didache, or the, excuse me, I'm going to say the right the English word, the teaching of the 12 apostles mm. um, um, is really a handbook for early churches. Mm. And it, it, it has things about what one might say in, in some worship setting. Thing, thing, it says things about uh, how baptism might work. Mm -hmm. um, it's not really um, very um, strict mm. on that. So for instance, it says, yeah, you can, you can um, uh, have your baptisms in a pool or you can have it in the stream and stuff like that. It's really mm. early stuff. Mm. Um, there is a part of, of the teaching of the 12 apostles that condemns um, um, abortion. Mm. Uh, and, um, and, but it's, it has so much really important thinking and showing very early ways that churches organized mm. um, that um, the, the, 19 people who were working on this for, for the, the, um, the year, they felt like it really, uh, a lot of them felt like it was important um, to, um, to be in, in a new New Testament. Mm. And um, there were, however, um, people who knew it well, mm -hmm. um, who said that the New Testament itself does not take an, a position on abortion, mm. the regular New Testament. And there were people in the group who suggested that, therefore, they felt ill at ease for to, to make that a new part of a new New Testament. Mm. Um, it was probably the, and so it was the closest um, 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 to to be proposed and did not and not get in. Mm. Um, I would say early on uh, it was fairly clear that it would be put in, mm -hmm. and that that discovery um, uh, by the the nineteen who who chose mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, resulted in a very close no vote. Mm. I think that's so cool though that like you had this group of people. It wasn't like it was a one-man show starting mm -hmm. to put what what goes in there, but it was a, a group effort from many different perspectives, many different backgrounds. It was clearly not agenda driven when you invited, you know, a Buddhist to come on and uh, mm -hmm. you know, a Muslim and things like that. I think that's just so so fascinating. So my next question then is why. And I don't know maybe what kind of resistance you might have hit when this went public, I'm not sure, but why is there so much like resistance towards these other, these other texts? Because for instance, when I started exploring this stuff, uh, reading like a lot of Bart Ehrman's things and Delane Pagels and coming across your work, like I got so much pushback from people. I had one, one seminary professor who, believe it or not, he was tracking with me pretty well, even when I was pushing back on things like you know, like hell and like atonement theories, things like that. But he got really upset with me when I started reading 
like the gospel of Thomas and the gospel of Mary. And he insisted I was entering this like super dangerous territory because he said, you know, although the books, you know, contain a lot of wisdom, there's really good reasons why the church fathers left them out. And it wasn't about control. It wasn't about power. It was, it was all about spiritual things. And you're really entering into these waters that are going to pull you away from God. And so I'm curious, like how, how do you respond to those kinds of critiques, uh, assuming you get them, that these, uh, that these texts yeah. that we've discovered are, are dangerous texts. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, it's really interesting for me to tell folks like that my story mm -hmm. um, uh, and to then just walk through with people how I discovered that the New Testament was late in coming into official um, uh, authority yeah. um, that took between 500 and 1500 years for that to be set. Mm -hmm. um, um, so um, I just say, listen, if you have that position, I had it for a, at least half my life too. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I understand that that's important. Um, and then I tell mostly my own story first, and that's how I felt like I got closer to God mm. um, by, by reading these additional things. And then I also tell the story of, of why the new, new documents were, were discovered. And mm. this is so arbitrary, but therefore so important to consider it. That is, the two things that happen is one, if you have papyrus in the Mediterranean era, era or area, you um, if it's really um, in Europe, it's too damp, mm. and the, the papyrus basically disappears. Mm -hmm. It's just too wet. Mm. If you have the same thing, let's say if you have the, the Gospel of Mary in Egypt, it's so dry that the papyrus stays in place hmm. for 2,000 years. Interesting. Um, or more, actually. There's yeah. lots of that that, that that are from the Egyptian uh, um, um, pharaohs hmm. that's still <laughs> you know, in, in place. So then the second thing that happened is that European um, Europeans in general in the 19 in the 19th century mm -hmm. started having vacation mm -hmm. in 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 uh, northern um, Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, Egypt was a great place to go and sooner and pretty soon in the 19th century, um, more wealthy Bible professors started having um, just vacation mm. in North Africa. Mm. And they would stumble in to these texts in, in the marketplace often. Mm. They'd bring it home and they'd say, Wow, different. <laughs> yeah, and, and they would say, and, and then they, then quite quickly, 
um, uh, you would carbon um, base test it to mm. whether it was really old. And very often it was really old. Mm. So what I tell my colleagues and, and the people in public is, so this wasn't some um, thing that somebody said, hey, let's get a whole bunch of new books. Mm -hmm. It simply randomly happened. Yeah. And, they, and it happened so thoroughly that, that the American public got word of it and said, oh, this is really interesting. Mm. So, so um, I want to say that um, you have a biblical frame that thinks that it has been existing for all of this time. Mm -hmm. But even if it was 500 years, it's, hard, it's understandable that people have a hard time shifting gears. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's really understandable from my point of view. I mean, so I've been a part of, of translating a bunch of these new texts and the like. Mm -hmm. And um, um, it's real. I mean, it takes the better part of 100 years to translate it and get it published. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really only in the last 30 years or so mm -hmm. that the public has started getting access to it in, in, in um, it, that they have in their hands and that they, they can buy. So that some people would say, watch out, um, is, it, it does seem um, rather um, an ordinary phenomenon. And, and so uh, I think that it will just take time. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting um, from my point of view is people are now both curious about it intellectually, but also spiritually. Yeah. So for instance, what does it, how much does it matter that the gospel of Mary exists. Mm -hmm. It's the only gospel which has a the primary character being a woman. Yeah. And in that, in, in the gospel of Mary, um, Levi says to the rest of the disciples, when, when they're, they're picky, being picky with what Mary says, don't you remember Jesus liked him better than he liked to us? Mm. Um, so what, how much that shifts the gender um, discussions in Christianity is enormous. Yeah. Because we, were, we, we thought that there were only old dudes that were the, the leaders now as um, now we have a gospel that says um, really beautiful things under the leadership of, of um, Mary. That's right. Mary Magdalene, not yeah. Mary the mother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The thing about Mary's gospel that really struck me was, was that piece but also the piece, and you can correct me if I'm saying this wrong, because I don't, I don't know it super well, but early on in the gospel where I think Jesus is talking to the disciples, and mm -hmm. he says something along the lines of, 
people are going to tell you to look for God over there or look for God over here. But the reality is, I think he says the human one is within you. And for me, when I read that, like sparks began to fly in my mind because all my life I've been told, you know, you got to go to church to find God. You've got to read the Bible to find God. You've got to say these prayers to find God. You've got to have your morning devotions to find God. You, you, you look for God all these different places, but I was always told to never trust what's within me. And when I read that, knowing that it dated back so early, it just released so much in me. I can't even describe what that did for me. Yeah, and, and, and that's where uh, I was such a jerk when the public people would have dis- would have had the gospel of Mary or the gospel of Thomas or yeah. the gospel of truth in their hands saying to me, and I'm saying, you don't need to read that stuff. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and, and now it's, uh, frankly, again, my, I, my, for myself, I, of all the 20 some gospels that we have, I like the gospel of Mark best. But the Gospel of Mary is a close second. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and and so um, it, it is, yeah, so it's, in other words, I feel, although I don't think that the academy is working as quickly on this as I would have it, mm-hmm. um, I do think that um, the public is taking over. Yeah. Um, and, and there are enough of us out there that are serving uh, a public as well as an academic o- audience right. um, that I think that this, I think that the conversation is going to go on in really important ways. And, and re- really, the other thing I am very eager to, to um, push is now a bunch of very conservative Sem- seminaries um, are, uh, are learning, uh, are working uh, very strongly in the new texts. Mm. I, granted, they're mainly working on the new texts to make, to put, put holes in them. Mm-hmm. Put them down. But I don't think that that, over the long haul, just take me as a stupid um, uh, example, um, I think that, that what, what's um, there to, to look at, I think there'll be a lot of new conversations. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's once you look at them, even if you're trying to poke holes in them, you can't help but notice similarities in a lot of different things and even mm-hmm. different places where ideas are expanded upon maybe in one text than, than it is. It's presented in the four gospels, but it might be expanded on a little bit in something else presented in a different different way. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. Yeah, okay, last question for you. Uh, just talk to the person who's listening and maybe they're gonna go to Amazon right now and they're gonna buy the book. Uh, they get it in the mail, they open it. Uh, how do you suggest that someone goes about starting with this book, especially if they're maybe newer to these new newer pieces of literature like should they read it straight through? Uh, should they just kind of thumb through and look for a text that interests them? Obviously, start with the intro and the preface because you talk a lot about different things in there. But you know, a lot of people who are are interested in these books, uh, but like I said before, they've been told 
that they're dangerous, things like that. Like what kind of suggestions do you have for the person who's going to order this book? Where do they begin? And what a great question. Um, and I'm um, not going to give um, a clear as answer as, as one could. I, I think that uh, the breadth of interest in these new and old texts together is such that I would say, first of all, as a Bible reader all my life, um, reading the Bible from beginning to end is like the worst idea. Ever. Terrible. <laughs> I tried it um, once. It's I terrible. Mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's just, um, it, does, it doesn't work because, the again, as, as they said in the early parts of the Jesus um, movements, um, the cool thing about the Bible is it's got so many different ideas mm -hmm. and nobody ruled over it in a way that said, you have to read it this way and that way and so on. Yeah. So, so basically to be able to read um, uh, the book of Proverbs uh, in the regular Bible, and then the 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 book of Acts uh, uh, of the Apostles in order, that would be fine. Mm -hmm. I would say um, skip around when something gets boring, um, uh, go on to something else. I would say read also the regular New Testament, because all of the books in the regular New Testament are in that book too. Yeah. So, so, um, and most people haven't read um, the regular New Testament. They pick and choose what they're wanting to yeah. right? very often. And, and so I would encourage curiosity mm -hmm. um, as the main way, and then also serving one's mm -hmm. deepest spiritual questions and needs. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I would now predict, me coming lately to this, um, is that there are so many of the new and the not so new things in this new New Testament that, that can help people, that right. can make people feel alive, yeah. That can can um, help people in the really difficult things that are happening in our world. Right. Um, so I would I would say have fun, be interested, um, uh, take your time. It's a book that's six hundred pages long. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, put it on a shelf for a while and come back when you're ready to do it again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And for our listeners, you know, this, this, unlike a lot of books out there on these topics, it's not divorced from spirituality. Like you, even like in the notes and different things like that, it's very intentional with making sure that someone's spiritual journey is taken into consideration as they're walking through this text. So I know we've had a lot of other people on the show that have talked about Gnostic things and things like that. It can be very heady and kind of divorced from the spiritual aspect of things, but your book really does well to merge those things, merge those things together. So anyway, how we're just about out of time, but this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me and uh, 
I think that people are going to benefit from this conversation. So thank you. Thanks, Glenn, and uh, uh, thanks so much for the way you're uh, helping lots of people uh, get get to new new places. Thank you, and you as well. <laughs> thank, thank you so you. much. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed some fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot and so go with the rainbow. By the time Clancy. Uh, wishing I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go and hit a run. I'm a check. Wish I had no other sin. I was beating on my chest. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own beach and we bring our own sand. Wherever we live is so bland. So much we're high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown. Love we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion. Go ahead, call the ambulance. So we said our own ambience. Dub TTG, train to go. Let's talk, no rambling. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love. But I just ignore it. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Wish I had red bottles on my feet. Everything falls on me. Then I start clicking my heels to the ride to this beat. Need everyone to follow my speed. Let's close those more keys. Carolina Rose on freeze. Wishing I could fly to the keys. That will be more free. Something hit my mind, hit the dough. Put on my fresh fit. Sir Charles, let's go. We about to go and get it. Uh, let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at the fall. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lot. Champions. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love. It's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love. It's all love. But I just ignore it. Wishing I had something foreign, wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love, but I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love, but I just ignore it.